He's a retired sheriff's deputy during his career. He spent many years as a motorcycle cop investigating traffic and serious vehicular accidents. During his career, he also encountered a lot of trauma and violence, including the murder of a police officer. He's here to talk about that and more. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Hi, if you enjoy the Law Enforcement Today podcast, do me a big favor, tell a friend, and if you're able, if you got a few moments, leave an honest review and rating. But most importantly, tell a friend or two or three. Calling us from California, we have retired law enforcement officer Jason Hoshauer on the phone. Jason, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Jason is a retired law enforcement officer, retired deputy sheriff. He was also a motor cop for many years, and he's an, a fellow podcaster now. He has a podcast called What's Your Emergency? We'll talk about that later. How long were you in the sheriff's department? Just over 22 years. Seems like a lifetime ago. Just about a lifetime ago, yes. How long ago did you retire? I, well, actually, I am going through uh, the QME medical retirement process. So I'm, I'm into what I'm referring to as retirement purgatory. So I'm, I haven't put on a uniform since July of 2020, but I'm also not officially done yet because I haven't gotten the doctor's final gotcha. say-so. Yeah, I went through that retirement limbo. Here's what happened for me. I got hurt. I thought I sprained my wrist in a real violent encounter and had multiple surgeries and steel plates. And when the doctors decided my career was over and the lawyers, you're stuck. You can't go back to work and you can't start a new career. You have to wait till you go through all the process and the litigation uh, and finally get the hearing and then they made a determination. Is that what's going on for you? Exactly correct. A lot of fun, I'll tell you. No, it was the worst part of my life. I'll be honest with you. It was not a good time. <laughs> But that's a conversation for another day. So you've got just about 22 years on a job. And correct. you spent many years as a motorcycle cop, correct? Yes, sir. Now, see, I rode motorcycles for fun. And I was asked if I wanted to go into that. Let me, let me be honest. I was never asked to be a motorcycle cop because in my department, it was political. You had to really be a golden boy or get shot to become a motorcycle cop. It just wasn't happening. That was not my experience. I actually never even put in for motors. I just wrote an absolute metric ton of traffic tickets. And the chief of police at the time thought to himself, you know, if I make this, this dude's sole job, our crashes will go down. So, I mean, I was that guy. I, I legit, again, story for another time, I legit wrote my wife a ticket while we were married. True story. 
you wrote your wife a ticket while you were married. I sure did. She hates that story. I didn't submit it because I enjoy being married, but I was just trying to make a, a, a fun little point, and it's a it's a fun topic of conversation occasionally. I can tell you right now, your idea of fun and mine are two totally different things. <laughs> that may very well be true, but uh, you know, after 13 years on a motorcycle and the fact that I got a paycheck every two weeks to professionally ride a motorcycle still baffles me. Every time I got paid, I'm like, really? Again? Y'all are going to still pay me for this. All yeah, right. Police work, police work is dangerous enough. Riding a motorcycle is one of the most dangerous things you can do. And I gave it up for that very reason. But being a motor cop and riding all the time, those men and women, they get racked up, seriously hurt, and many of them killed just in stupid accidents because people don't look when they make a left-hand turn. 100%. I had to, I had my life flash before my eyes on more than one occasion and came real close to ripping people through some windshields on a number of occasions because they cut me off and I, I missed their bumper by an inch doing, you know, 35, 40 miles an hour. It's just... Yeah, it, it's dangerous, but I, I, lo- I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I wasn't a motor cop. I, I cultivated this persona online as motor cop. I started blogging in 2008, and it really became a, a catharsis for me. And actually, what, what we're going to talk about today is my most popular blog post of all time. And it was, it was really a therapeutic experience for me to take all the negativity, the danger, the drama that comes with being a motor officer and allowed me to kind of exercise those demons instead of taking it out on the you know public at large well i had to know the story some of the details we're talking about one of the really bad sides of police work and there there are many there's a lot of great parts of the job that i loved and most every cop i know loved but one of them is when you have people killed in particular when you have other law enforcement officers shot and killed or murdered in line of duty and that's what you went through yes yeah it was uh september 4th of 2012 i happened to be one of the first on scene when officer kenny youngstrom uh was shot and killed about a mile and a half from the pd that i that i worked at he was a chp officer and chp for those who don't know is california highway patrol and was that a traffic stop it it was it, unfortunately it wasn't even his traffic stop he was backing up another officer he was actually clearing a a dead deer off of the freeway and they communicated the one officer and, and officer youngstrom and officer youngstrom told the other guy hey just pull him over right by me and i'll go up and contact him walked up on the driver's side and was chatting with him as the other officer pulled in behind was getting out of car shot rang out officer youngstrom disappeared from his view and initial officer was actually very brand new he'd only been on for memory serves i want to say about 18 months and he returned fire and was able to take the suspect down and that's when he put out the 1199 which for those not in california 1199 is our code for officer down and everybody and their mother shows up it's a horrible thing and where i worked in baltimore signal 13 and i tell people when that call comes out it doesn't matter what you do when you drop it you will literally go through blank and high water to get to them to help them and do whatever you can to be there unfortunately in my career i never was on scene for an officer kid on line of duty i had a good friend who used to work for me i got transferred a couple months and then he was killed in line of duty and i'm still bothered by that 
it stays with me and it was funny when i was preparing for this interview to kind of remind remind myself how i felt on the day of the incident and i literally 10 minutes before we sat down to have this conversation i emailed you the link and i, I read through the post and i was sitting here with tears in my eyes and this is going to be nine years in this september will be nine years since that's happened but i remember it like it was yesterday we had just finished second lineup and that's where you know you and all your buddies go to grab coffee it's favorite coffee joint and one of the uh, surrounding units happened to have a scanner going and he confirmed with our dispatch that he heard an 1199 go out i was on the motorcycle everybody else was in cars so guess who got there first because i don't have to worry about traffic but both sides of the freeway were absolutely gridiron you could not get a car there so i jumped into the center median probably violated a number of policies with the speed the rate of which i was riding got on scene and what i saw stays with me it will always be with me it was the officer was down bleeding profusely from a gunshot wound to his lower jaw the original officer that had wanted to pull over the, the suspect vehicle was yelling at him live we're going to take, take a short break and return to this conversation. This is uh, the Law Enforcement Today show. Our guest is Jason Hushauer. He's talking about the incident in his police career where an officer, CHP officer, was shot and killed in line of duty. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today show brought to you by Switched On Life. The book Switched On, the heart and mind of a special agent, will make you laugh, cry, and sweat with a degree of realism that will leave you stunned. From international drug smugglers, U.S. defense contractors, and CIA going rogue to weapons of mass destruction programs of Iran, China, and Russia. Get more details about the book, the podcast, and more at switchedonlife.com. That's switchedonlife.com. Com. Return conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show with Jason Hushauer. He is a law enforcement officer from California, and we're talking about an incident when you were a motorcycle cop and you had the extreme misfortune of responding to a call for a CHP officer who was shot in the, the line of duty and I believe when before went to break, you said he was shot in the jaw. That That's correct, yes. So when I rolled up and I see him being worked on by the medics, his partner standing over him yelling, live live another chp motor shows up and we 
quickly recognized that nobody else was outstanding. And here in, in California, the code for that is code four, which means no other big things need to happen right this very second. And I took a, a beat, a, a second, and I looked down at Officer Youngstrom, Youngstrom's left hand, and I saw his gold wedding band, and I just, I froze. I, I realized that this isn't just his life. Now, now we're talking he's married. Maybe he's got kids. At the time, I didn't know. And I walked over, and I just held his hand. And when they put him on the gurney, I held his hand. And that other CHP motor that showed up, I escorted the ambulance with that guy. To this day, I, I don't recall what his name was, but you'd have thought that we were we had trained together our whole lives. The way we broke intersections, the way we controlled traffic, it was it was truly a thing of, of beauty. And then I spent the remainder of the day at the hospital uh, shuttling people to and fro to see the officer, to collect evidence, to gather in a, a meeting room, there was brass there from all over the place, county agencies, local agencies, CHP. I did take the, a moment when everything was, you know, that brief moment of calm, and I called both my mom and my wife and let them know what was going on, that I was involved, but I was not injured because I knew that they were going to be paying attention to social media. But social media was still fairly new in, in 2012. And I didn't talk to my wife again for like eight hours. The thing about this, I've never gone through this. I know a lot of people I worked with have, and I've had many people on the show that have gone through this. And as you're telling the story, my mind is visualizing what it'd be like. And the point of reference I have is, you know, other homicides and other people were scenes where people are dying, and that there weren't law enforcement. And, and one of the things I tell people is like Saturday night in Baltimore. A young man, 15, shot multiple times, dying on the street, and the last person they see is a Baltimore police officer like me. And there's a crowd milling around like it's cheap entertainment. The politicians aren't there. The the activists aren't there. And no one seems to be there that cares. And the impact is so profound on you that it stays with you. It does. The, the interesting thing, the difference, I think, when it's, at least for me, when it was a law enforcement officer that was the injured party is people came out of the woodwork. Uh, one of the amazing things about the California Highway Patrol, that, that is their, it's their protocol. If one of theirs is injured and, God forbid, killed in the line of duty, that officer is never alone again until they put him in the ground. They keep an officer with them constantly. And Kenyon Youngstrom was kept alive for an additional day because he was an organ donor. And so all of his family could make it in to say goodbye. Uh, he was, as soon as the gun rang out, I mean, he was, he was what we call DRT. He's dead right there. And that's for me as a member of the collision team for the County, when I've been to some terrible, tragic collisions, the silver lining for me is most of them never felt a thing. And that's what I like to think when it comes to Kenyon is that it was just like shutting the light off because of the wound and because of the location. I, I have to think because if, if I don't, it, it makes it even worse. I have to think that he didn't suffer at all. And that's something I can take away from it. And I see the support that the agency has given us. 
We had an, uh, a debrief that was put on by a, a licensed therapist, so we all got to gather, everybody who was at the scene got to gather and tell our perception of what happened, and we can f- complete a, a bigger picture. And on top of that, they had the same experiences for the spouses of the people that were there. So my wife went to a debrief, and she wasn't even there, but I was, and she is half of me. When I come home... I'm still on the bike. I get off the bike and I fell into her arms. I didn't have to say a word and she just held me while I literally wept like a baby because I'd been holding it in the whole time because I kept telling myself, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. You still have a job to do. And it's that, that compartmentalization that is so key to being in law enforcement because when it's time to go to work, you go to work. I don't care what your personal opinion is. I don't care how you feel. Do the job. And when the job's done and it's safe to do so, process those feelings. And that's, that's what I, how I was able to get through that was because of my faith, my wife, and my folks. I tell people all the time, I, I, I don't recall ever crying in a crime scene, but I cried in many times in a patrol car afterwards. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And, and look, I want people to think I'm a tough guy. I really do. But I'm not. And certain things that you see have a pr- profound impact on you emotionally, physically. Uh, you're going through the physical thing and the emotional stuff too. When officers are killed, it is devastating. And equally as devastating is when officers get severely injured and maimed for the rest of their lives. And in particular is... I don't know about you, that we had a lot of procedures and rules and regulations of what to do. We all knew what to do, but no one ever prepared us for how do you talk to the survivor? How do you talk to the spouse afterwards? And that's where the real cowardice for me came in because I was so afraid of saying the wrong thing and making things worse. What was tough for me dealing with death in particular was you know, I don't mind sitting with somebody who's passed away. It's not my favorite thing to do, but waiting with the family was always the worst part for me. And it sounds cold. It sounds callous. I don't mean to. It's just that I I don't have a personal connection with the departed. So anything that I'm going to offer them always felt so trite to me. Like, I mean it with my whole heart. Is there anything I can do for you? Can I call someone? All of that. But, you know, here's their dad or their grandpa or their husband or their wife literally lying at their feet. And I'm like, so how you doing? I, I didn't I didn't know how to do. I was not good at that part. At least I didn't think so. I'm sure the people would have a different opinion of, you know, those departed folks because I got cards saying thank you and, and all those things. But it was always such a difficult part of the job for me. You're absolutely correct. It's you don't gross. really get trained for that. No, it's a, it's a very difficult job. And I can really appreciate and understand what you say where I felt inadequate and as if I was saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, trite. The conversations were forced and horrible. When we return to our conversation with Jason Hushauer on the Law Enforcement Today Show, we're going to talk about the effects after the murder of the CHP officer Kenyon on him, his family, how he recovered, and what he's doing today. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? 
Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603. Back to our conversation with Jason Hoshauer. He is kind of like in retirement limbo from Sheriff's Department in California. 22-year veteran, injured in a retirement process, also a podcaster. His podcast is What's Your Emergency? We're talking about, in your career, responding to the murder of a CHP officer. Before we went to break, you talked about the hospital, realizing he was married, and we were talking about feeling inadequate when we had to talk with family members of people who were killed or died or whatever it might be. I, I remember this. I hated death notifications. We always did them in person. If so-and-so was in an accident out of state and was killed, we get a call. Dispatchers say, call me, and we call them. They give you the details. You go to the house, ask, hey, are you so-and-so? Yes. Do you have a a son or daughter named so-and-so? Yes. Well, I hate to tell you, they were killed in a car accident. And it's. I remember doing that at 22 years old. Yeah, with, with zero life experience yourself, and you're like, hey, I'm, I know that your kid's probably the same age as me. Uh, he's dead. So, sorry to tell you that. Have a great day. I mean, it, that's the way it felt like for me. It, it, I wasn't trying to be curt or anything. I would stay with him and do all the things that we've, you know, other FTOs have shown us how to do, but it, it is such a difficult aspect of the job. And what always... <laughs> always gave, made me pause. There was one woman in particular, her husband was dead and we responded and she kept offering us coffee. And I'm not going to say no. I'm, I, it's the, kind of her grieving process. You know, people do odd things when you give them remarkably bad news. It's their coping mechanism. Maybe she was just a servant at heart. She loved to have people in her house and offer them coffee or, or water, whatever. And we, oh my God, I drank my weight and coffee that day. It was really good, but I was trying to be as helpful as I could just by making things kind of normal while there's a corpse in the other room. And that's the weird disconnect that I don't think civilians get. Other cops get it. Other first responders get it. But there's no training class. There's not an eight-hour post-certified or you know whatever state's version of post is that will teach you, okay, this is how you do a, a death notification. You check these boxes, you wait till clergy gets there, and then you can bounce. It, that doesn't exist. No. It's a fly by the seat of your pants, jump from the frying pan into the fire, good luck and God bless, and don't screw it up. So many of what we did investigation-wise that was, was that way, especially when it's children that were sexually or physically abused. 
sexual assaults, you name it. Sometimes you had an instant connection with the victim. Other times you didn't, but you always had a job to do. And you said earlier in the conversation that you had to compartmentalize what's going on and say, this is not the time. I've got a job to do. Go deal with it. I remember being told early on, and it's a phrase we hear all the time, suck it up. Just go do your job. You know, we'll deal with this after work. And that's, this is before the era of critical instance debriefing teams. When you said even yep. your wife was brought in, man, yeah. you know what our our therapy was? A case of beer in a parking lot. That's what we did. <laughs> yeah. You know, not not a whole lot has changed insofar as that is concerned. I mean, I still to this day my my podcast co-host, he's a San Francisco firefighter and when he has a bad day, you know, he comes over here and, and we have a beer, we talk about it and do those kinds of things. I'm not a, thera- a licensed therapist. He sure as heck isn't either. But there's that, that camaraderie between brothers in arms. And yeah. I think that can be its own therapy as long as it's not overtly enabling and you're not buying, you know, eight cases of or whatever terrible beer you happen to drink. But I think there's something to be said for that because the people that, that go to battle together, the people that suffer together, you, you get to rely on them. And I had guys that I worked with for years tell me things that they probably haven't told their spouses, as sh- certainly have not told admin, that they feel comfortable with me because they know that they can rely on me in any given situation that I'm going to be there for them. And if that means a midnight phone call, that means a midnight phone call. If you're thinking about doing something terrible to yourself or somebody else and you want somebody to talk to, Here's my phone number. You call every time I taught the academy. I was a master instructor for the state. Anytime I taught any class anywhere, I put my cell, my personal cell number. I never even carried a department cell. I put my personal cell number on the board. And I said, if you ever have a question about anything I'm teaching you, or you just need somebody to talk to, you call that number. I will answer the phone. When we get done dealing with the crime scene, and there's really no other term that that comes close to it and then you go to the hospital and you deal with all the trauma there and all the the anxiousness and the 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 flood of emotions and dealing and helping people when it's all over there's this tremendous fall for lack of better words where what do i do now how do i handle all this conflicted feelings i have going on and you talked about getting home on your motorcycle and basically fell into your wife's arms and was that the part where you started just like fall apart I had held it together for so long, and without sounding like I'm tooting my own horn, I did a, a good job. I did whatever was asked of me, and I, when I said earlier that I would tell myself it's not time yet, I said those words out loud. I don't know if anybody else was around me or not, but I was talking to myself out loud. It's not time yet, because I would start to be overwhelmed. And when I got home, and I'm inside my, my four walls here, I'm actually standing in the garage that I rode into almost nine years ago. The door into the house opened. My wife stepped out. I swung my leg over off the bike, shut it down, walked into her, and literally crumbled into her. I still had all my gear on. I had my helmet on. I just, I fell, literally fell. And I was able to release all of those pent-up stress, the pent-up fear, the pent-up anger, rage i mean pick an emotion and it was in there somewhere and then i did after i 
talk with her for a few minutes, talk with my mom, talk with my dad, called them both, let them know I'm, I'm all right. I sat down at the computer and I wrote. That was my therapy for a very long time. It was cathartic for me. And all I did was put how I felt onto a digital piece of paper. And I've always jokingly said, you know, it's a therapy and, and all that kind of thing. But truly, it allowed me to release those feelings, to exercise those demons, because nobody gets out of this job without some demons. No. We, you, we all, everybody comes out scarred one way or the other. 100%. Years ago, we interviewed my dad for our old podcast, and he said, he's a retired firefighter, he said, nobody gets out of this job whole. And it's absolutely accurate. You leave something behind. As a motor officer, it's our job to go to all the local police funerals. Over my career, I've been to 25 cop funerals. 25. I can't, it got to a point where I couldn't go in anymore because it was, it was too much. I don't need to see on the big screen the recently departed female officer holding her newborn kid. I can't take that anymore. No. I can't. I'll go, I'll go fly the colors. I will, I will support. I will stand at attention. I will be in the, the motorcade waving at everybody as we're driving through town. I can do all that. But going in to you know, hear the best friend talk about how Officer Smith was the bee's knees. You ever notice that nobody, no officers, it's not like it's the slug cop the guy who doesn't carry his weight. It's always the guy that's been newly married, just had a kid. You know, he's, he's the light of everybody's lives. The slugs, the guys that are terrible officers, man, it feels like nothing bad ever happens. And that's to them. the way it's it like, seems to be sometimes. It's, it's heartbreaking, it's devastating, and it is extremely traumatic. And when we return to our conversation with Jason Hushauer on the Law Enforcement Today show, we're going to talk about life afterwards, where he's at in his retirement process, and why podcasting. Catch all the episodes of Law Enforcement Today show as a podcast for free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or just go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and you'll find us right there. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-880-5013. 800-880-5013. That's 800-880-5013. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We are talking with Jason Hoshauer. He is a 22-year veteran of the Sheriff's Department in California. 
going through retirement process right now. He's also a podcaster, one of the hosts of What's Your Emergency podcast. We'll talk about that later. Uh, during your career, you we talked about some of the things you've been through, but one incident in particular was the murder of a CHP California High Patrol officer. And your life afterwards, before we the break, you're talking about interviewing your dad who's a firefighter. And he said that no one comes out of this job basically unscathed. Everybody seems to get dinged up to some degree or another. And just about every guest I've had on the show, that's a law enforcement officer, firefighter, EMT, whatever it is, somewhere in the conversation, we have this little back and forth where we go, yeah, I'm damaged goods. And like, yeah, I'm damaged goods too. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. That doesn't mean useless. It just means I'm not the same as I was when I was 20. Oh, God. If I could go back... Now, I'm, I'll be 49 here in about three weeks. And when you came back from break, and you said 22-year law enforcement veteran, I was looking behind me. I'm like, who, who is he talking about? I still feel like I'm 26. Yeah. But I have this different perception of life now. And I'll tell you, the interesting thing about this retirement purgatory I'm in, I haven't put on a uniform since July of 2020. And I've been home for the majority of that time, other than a brief stint in light duty until my doctor made my injury permanent and stationary, which means you can't do this job anymore. I've been home and I haven't shaved basically since July. I feel so much lighter, uh, not physically, but mentally. I have a different perspective about the public at large because I'm not constantly surrounded by news media, having to, to pay attention to what's going on politically listening to all of my my buddies who are my beat partners complain about the admin or the civilians or society at large. My wife has said repeatedly, you're a different person now. And you have to be a different breed of cat to get into law enforcement to begin with. These days, I man, I, I think about these kids, literal kids that are in the academy these days, and I think, oh, man, God bless you, because I, I don't know that I would want to do this anymore. In, in today's climate, I am so happy to be done. Uh, if, if my mom were still alive, I know she's in heaven right now, thanking the good Lord that her baby boy no longer puts on a uniform. I know my wife sleeps better. I certainly sleep better. There is life after law enforcement, and it's getting to that point where you can shed all the stuff that came with your years of service, you don't have to drag those ghosts with you for the rest of your life. They're always going to be in the background. I have what's called the screams. There's a couple of incidents where somebody literally screamed out because of what they witnessed. I will always remember that. I will always remember Officer Youngstrom. There are certain key things in your career that are going to follow you, but you don't need to put your arm around them put them in a chokehold and drag them along with you. I, I don't get any extra points because I've been to 25 cop funerals. It doesn't make me a better police officer. It doesn't mean that I can speak into the lives of other people because I've had this difficult experience. I'm just a guy that happened to be good at a thing. And I had the fortitude to put up with the nonsense and enough, enough sense of myself to not take it all serious all the time. And the, the big thing that we talk about on our show repeatedly is not identifying yourself solely as 
a cop or a firefighter or a medic. In my experience over 22 years, the people that do that, that their end all be all is the job when they retire or are forcibly removed for one reason or another, they don't live very long or they don't have the best of lives. They probably have two, three, four ex-wives. Their kids don't like them very much. They sure drink too much and they're not a joy to be around. If you can identify yourself as a bunch of things and one of them is totally fine to be a cop. For example, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a friend, I'm a podcaster, I'm an author. I'm a cop, but it's like tenths on the list. I didn't work every overtime shift I could find because the only joy I had in my life was the job. I cultivated a personal life on purpose, intentionally, so I didn't go down that really sad, lonely rabbit hole because that's not what I want my retirement to look like. Unfortunately, that happens way too often. You have people, when I was in the academy, they said the average life expectancy of a Baltimore police was 52. They retire 50 and they're dead within two years. Baltimore is no joke. Uh, I didn't tell you this before, but I actually applied with Baltimore PD back in the mid-90s because they, were, they had a program that was, if you give us four years, we'll pay off your student loans. Yep. And I, I flew to Baltimore. I took the test. And I had been working out, getting ready for the physical exam. You had to do, I want to say it was 40 sit-ups in whatever, two minutes, a minute, whatever it was. And I was just banging them out, man. I was just boom, boom, boom. I got to 36. It was like 36, 37, 38. And God stood on my chest. I literally think God stood on my chest because I could not get up to save my life. I have been murdering those, those sit-ups for months. And I heard this voice say, you don't belong here. Go home. So I did. And that's how I ended up working in California instead of Baltimore. In, in many ways, California is much more progressive. And people think uh, politics, and I, I don't do political conversation on the show, but their law enforcement is much more progressive about things like PTSD, critical instance, stress debriefing, all those other things than yes. agencies on the East Coast. And the East Coast agencies have been around longer. So it, it's a, a ironic thing. But somewhere along the line, you said earlier that writing for you was cathartic. For me, cracking a microphone on radio, because I started pursuing a career in radio about eight years after retiring from police work. It's something I was always interested in. And I started this as a podcast in 2017. A radio station said, hey, we love it. Can you convert it to radio? We did. We're now syndicated on probably close to 50 stations nationwide right now and growing. That changes every month, one or two stations added. So it's amazing. But when I crack the mic, it does something for me therapeutically. I have the exact same experience. We started, my, my co-host and I both started a blog back in 08. It's a very long story I won't bore you with. We met on the internet, and we joke about it all the time. He was a blogger. I was a blogger. We had a mutual friend. We all met for beer one day, and then our original podcast was born not soon thereafter, and it was very similar. We would get together, crack the microphones on, and let's, let's talk, man. Let's hash out some stuff. And then it grew into a, a much more, I like to refer to it as edutainment, right? Trying to educate people, but entertain them at the same time. Give them a glimpse into what it's like to walk in a cop's motor boots or a police or a firefighter's rather uh, turnouts or 
whatever. There, there is more. There's more to this job than just a uniform. I've always said, you know, people see me from the shoulders down. Nobody sees Jason. They see cop. Right. It's the uniform. They don't. They don't see Jason the guy. They see this officer. So we like to give people a, a glimpse into what our personal lives are like. How do we? How do we deal with our, our physical health, our mental health? We even talk about financial health. There's all kinds of aspects to life that are not unique to law enforcement or any first responder for that matter, but we are still human. We still have to pay the bills. We still have kids that need braces. We still see terrible things and have to muddle our way through them. What kind of tools and strategies do a a knucklehead cop and firefighter have in common that that we can walk through this stuff together? And And it's called, what's your emergency? Where can people find it? If you go to wyeradio.com, that is our website. Of course, you can go on basically any device anywhere. Ask for what's your emergency. We're on, you know, Apple, Spotify, uh, every every possible location. What's your emergency? It's hosted by the Happy Medic, which is my buddy, and me, Motor Cop. And Jason, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks for your service. For all you do is very much appreciated. Now, it was an honor to be here. Thanks so much, Jay. Cheers. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today radio show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.